welcome to Fresh on the Heels. This is a brand new wrestling podcast hosted by me, Stephen, and my co-host, Quinn. This is going to be a weekly rundown of everything that's happening in the world of WWE. We will try and touch on some other promotions as well. This is Fresh on the Heels of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. So for today's first ever episode, we're going to be running down that particular event and talking about how we maybe see that leading into WrestleMania and beyond. So yeah, I'm going to introduce you now to my wonderful co-host. That's Quinn. How are you doing, Quinn? I'm good, thank you, man. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, I, I know that we uh, we both stayed up last night to to watch the Chamber. I think quite a short one in the end wasn't it it was about two and a half hours long i think yeah i think um with the with the cancellation of the women's title match i think we were uh, they've, they've done that with a lot of the fanless um pay-per-views it seems they've been a bit a lot shorter i think and i think it's just to sort of pique people's interest while they're watching it on tv yeah definitely i had a look as well i think like money in the bank last year so like another gimmick pay-per-view was was one of the shortest ones they've ever done it's about two hours 20 i believe minutes. so yeah so it's kind of kind of nice to not have sort of a, a 4 a.m. finish with with um, with watching it live. Um, yeah, I really I really didn't mind it. I think that sort of three hour mark, it it was I think it worked quite well. I think it worked. It was I mean, I know it's a lot later for us, but, but yeah, I think it worked. Yeah, especially with it starting at midnight as well. It's a bit more a bit more easy to get into as well. Just before we sort of get into the show itself, uh, just for our listeners, any potential listeners that we have on this very first episode, tell us, tell us a little bit about your sort of introduction to wrestling, how you first got into it, and, and maybe some standout earliest memories. I think um, I, I get asked this question a lot, and I think it's quite it's quite common. Um, I have an old older family member who was interested in it, so I had a cousin who was really into it back in sort of like the early 90s. My earliest memory would have been uh, SummerSlam 99, and the, the main event was uh, Mankind versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWE title, or WWF title, obviously, uh, with uh, Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee. Okay. Um, that was probably, and there was a, a mixture of other things in there. I think it was the, the, the hardcore title was at sort of at its peak. Jeff Jarrett was still in there. Uh, debut with Chris Jericho. Um, he was not long, he'd not long debuted on Raw, so I think it might have been his first pay-per-view. Um, nice. So yeah, that was that. I would say that was my earliest memory of wrestling. So you'd have been about, I guess, like nine at the time. Yeah, around that about nine, ten, something yeah. like that. It was similar for me, really. So I sort of my I, I might have seen it a little bit before, but my first like vivid memory was Cactus Jack against Triple H in the Hell in a Cell. So that would have been No Way Out. I think it was two thousand. Um, and I'd have been, I think it was. I'd have been just about to turn ten then, and and I just remember sitting there being like, "What the fuck is this?" Like it was, it's something I've actually written about on my uh, blog, which I might shamelessly plug from time to time throughout the show. It's just www.swebsport. So it's s w e w b sport dot com. I've got a few bits on there about sort of um, English football, American football, and wrestling. But yeah, I'd, I'd recently posted on there something about that first sort of memory and and how it sticks with you. And I think, like you say, SummerSlam '99, you you'll remember bits of that show better than you will some stuff that happened two months ago in, in the current WWE. I think that's fair to say. I think it is, yeah, and I think um, going into that year, especially, it was such a defining moment for for WWE. I believe so. Going into the two thousands, it was the death of WCW, uh, which I'm sure is something that we will touch on going further, further into this. If uh, if it's popular enough, I think yeah, with the rise of sort of Triple H as that top heel, and then you add the Street Fight at Royal the Royal Rumble at Madison yeah. Square Garden, 
going into the McMahon in every corner at, at, at the Mania 2000s and, and like you said, the, the Hell in the Cell at No Way Out. I think that I think it was a fantastic year to get into wrestling. I think that with the sort of the birth of uh, Kurt Angle, the Rock being as good as he is, and sort of Austin, all the sort of the end of the Attitude era, as it were, and it, and it just worked. It was it was a great time to to start. I think. Yeah, absolutely. They had they had so much talent, and they kind of used them all in, in their own unique ways. It didn't feel like they were just shoehorned into the show. You know, Jericho was very much himself with like the, the radicals coming in like Benoit and Guerrero they sort of like carved out a career for themselves as well I, I used to love some of the stuff that Eddie did with China as well kind of like around that same time period yeah uh, and then I kind of switched off a little bit around 2004-5 I think partly coincided with probably a friend of mine being able to buy booze from the local corner shop and <laughs> just sort right. of yeah sitting on a field and drinking wrestling kind of took a bit of a back burner I yeah think, definitely it kind of coincided as well with the the infamous Casey Vick angle where sort of current CEO Triple H had, had sex with a dead body, which, you know, I don't think at the time my 14-year-old brain would have been thinking, God, this is appalling. But, I mean, if I'd have, if that happened now, for example, I'd probably have to give up on, on wrestling. That would be the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I think. And it, it probably was for quite a few people at the time as well. So yeah, I kind of like had a bit of a four-year hiatus and kind of came back into it in 2009 or so when I when I moved up to Manchester, and mm-hmm. I had sort of missed the the ECW sort of third brand thing. So I missed a lot of CM Punk's early stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd missed a lot of the sort of Edge and Rey Mysterio rise to prominence as well, which yeah, is slightly gutted about. So for me, I, I sort of remembered Edge more as a tag team wrestler. Um, I've, I've obviously gone back since getting back into wrestling and kind of watched everything like you do. There's, there's such a good uh, back catalogue of everything, but I think probably between the years of 2006 to, to nine, I, I've not sort of paid much attention to what was going on during that time. I always think that. I do think that a lot in terms of Edge. Um, I, I've got a friend who's who's obsessed with him, so that, that when he came back at the Rumble last year, like it was, yeah. I thought, yeah, I think he almost cried. Mm. But um, so he was very, he was very into him in that in that period when he was he was um, sort of controlled SmackDown. Do you know what I mean? He was the face of, he was constantly the world title. And if you look back on it, his title runs weren't even that long. They were really short. Like he 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 would drop it to take quite a lot, and he, he got he built up. He got a lot. I think it was eleven title runs, in, in, in including the WWE and the world. But they weren't like extensive long runs he lost to Mysterio he lost to Taker he lost to Cena and I think that was just but he was such a good heel yeah um, and he you can never forget his tag team days like Edge and Christian the, you know the defi- uh, defining tag team behind the, the TLC and yeah completely I think that was kind of like the tag team of our era along with the Hardys and the Dudleys but but yeah what Edge did on his own I think was um like you said if you go back and look at it it, it, it was amazing it was uh it was definitely worth going back to look at it, and it is a shame that you missed it when it was when it was happening. Definitely, yeah. I'd love to sort of maybe. Um, I mean, you might know as well, but I'd love to hear from maybe any potential listeners on Twitter. Um, you can find us actually at Fresh on the Heels, so that's at Fresh on the Heels on Twitter. If you want to get in touch, the the last sort of tag team star to break out into a solo career and have this sort of success that Edge has had. I know they were trying to sort of work Big Cass into a bit of an angle before he got released after his split with Enzo and that never sort of materialised and I know 
obviously Kofi will be a, a prime example as well, but he was kind of always part of that trio and he'd, he'd had a singles run beforehand. I can't think off the top of my head anyone who's been in a, a defined tag team, which is, you know, maybe a sign of the times for tag team wrestling, unfortunately, but who's then gone on to have a singles career anyway near like what Edge had. Maybe, maybe off the cuff, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think actually. he's obviously. I think, but that may be that may be in other promotions. I think. I think he obviously did have his title runs in WWE, but um, he had his own problems aside, didn't he? And I think that maybe squashed him getting to the to the heights that Edge that Edge did. Yeah, definitely. I wonder as well if if potentially we're starting to see something of that ilk with Jey Uso at the moment. He seems to be certainly defined it must be so tough as a twin when when you especially you're sort of branded that way and, and you look very very similar yeah. um but he he seems to be you know with jimmy not not coming back anytime soon as far as i can tell jay Uso might be someone who can kind of reach that that higher level i think so and i think um he with his push with reigns at the beginning of sort of reigns's heel turn I think that was great for him. And I think he used what you've just mentioned about him being a twin. He used that in a lot of his promos to talk about how he's always just the other Uso or which Uso are you? Are you Jimmy or Jay sort of thing? Um, I think going forward, as we'll get into the chamber, I think last night was important for him because I think it's probably guaranteed him a, a WrestleMania spot. But I do think he would sit very well in a mid-card level. Sort of, you know, somebody to rival Big E for the Intercontinental title. Currently around that, I don't know if he's a main event main eventer just yet, but he certainly has that potential. With you mentioning Jeff Hardy as well, I just want to sort of uh, you know inform our listeners, if you like, of the fact that this is primarily going to be a show that covers Raw, NXT, and SmackDown from the week just gone. We will delve from time to time into other promotions. I've got it on good authority that AEW is something that definitely needs to be watched more religiously. What about yourself, Quinn? Do you sort of dabble into any other worlds of, of professional wrestling, any New Japan or TNA? I like to keep updated. Yeah, I think I've got more. I've got a lot more into the American promotions since the birth of AEW. I know, and since WWE's big release last year, in terms of letting a lot of wrestlers go, a lot of talent go, Impact has picked up massively over the last twelve months, and it's it's quite fun to watch or fun to keep up on. Anyway, I'd love to be involved in New Japan a lot more. It's just it's not always the easiest to access. But I know with the working relationship that they now have going forward with um, AW and Impact, I think we're beginning to start to see a lot more of those guys, and that's that's really exciting. Okay, so let's crack on with the Elimination Chamber then. Absolutely. Uh, so I turned on about halfway through the pre-show. I was aware that there was this triple, uh, sorry, uh, fatal four-way match to determine the third competitor for the US title match later in the show. So Keith Lee had dropped out due to COVID reasons, which is a bit of a shame for him. I don't know if he'd have won the title if he had, had he been in it. But yeah, I sort of switched on and, and had them talking about this Ric Flair, Lacey Evans pregnancy angle. Yeah. The, only, the only note I've got on it really is that uh, Booker T said the words, business is picking up. Don't tell me that Ric Flair can't get back on Space Mountain at his age. So <laughs> straight off the bat, I was a bit like, why the fuck am I awake? <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Lacey Evans is uh, effectively a vagina had been referred to as a Disney ride. There wasn't even a match on the card for that title, I don't think, or, or for that angle. Pete Rosenberg, bless him, was trying to sort of 
twist it in a way that made it sound somewhat entertaining. But Jesus Christ, where where are you um, at with this sort of latest? I mean, let's be serious. Like Lacey Evans is the definition of what Vince McMahon wants in a female wrestler. She's a ex-military. She's blonde. She's a pinup. Like so that's her gimmick. Yeah, she's just everything he sees in what is Charlotte Flair without any talent. And I'm not saying no. I, actually, I take that back. It's not that she hasn't got any talent. She's she's good at what she does. She's a very good heel. She's not a terrible wrestler. She's got a lot better since she's come up from NXT. She has, yeah. Uh, I just think to to push her, she doesn't need the angle that they've gone down. And I think her getting pregnant, and although yeah, they've worked it into this storyline, it's going to take her off TV for twelve months. And I think it's it's the best thing that we could have could have got going forward. Yeah, I mean, so again, just to sort of caveat this, I, I used to be quite involved in sort of reading all the dirt sheets and the backstage stuff, and I used to sort of like be be all about that. Less so these days. I prefer just to sort of take it at face value and, and see it for what it is. I think you can sometimes ruin your own uh, surprises or enjoyment if you look too much into it. Is there Absolutely. a reason that Lacey Evans would need to be off telly for 12 months? Is she legitimately pregnant, like, with her own partner? Yeah, she she is pregnant with her own partner, yeah. That's that's this, why they've... Uh, and she announced it on Instagram, I believe. I'm okay. Under, I'm under the understanding that she will obviously will have told the officials and, and that sort of stuff, but she can't wrestle while she's pregnant. So no. that's the angle. So so that that is going what I was mentioned um, to you the other day, actually. We're going into it with Mania. That kind of changes the whole dynamic because if she couldn't wrestle at Chamber, she's not going to be in a position to wrestle at Mania. So I think we'll talk about potential storylines that we thought were going to go ahead for Mania or what are still going to go ahead. But yeah, I honestly think, I had it in my mind that, that Asuka was going to drop the title last night. So I think okay. in terms of female wrestling and what the angle is there, I think her, her getting pregnant is, is, a, is a good thing. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, so just full credit to to the man who's responsible for doing that. Yeah, not Ric Flair. Just uh... God, God bless Asuka for keeping that title, and thank you so much for impregnating, uh, you know, your wife or fiance, whatever she may be. Good sir. We had a sort of a bit of a mixed panel. I, I don't know what your feelings are on on uh, the the kickoff show bunch, if you like. I know Renee Young used to be so great on that show, and she, she kind of had a bit yeah. more control over the people on there. But I think. The, the new girl, I can't remember her name. Is it Kayla or Car? Yeah, that's right. Or, or Carly, maybe she's um, she finds it a little bit harder to sort of keep track of when people like JBL just start going off on little mad tangents and, and Booker T as well. I think J- JBL for me is a bit of a a bit of a dick, if I'm honest. The, when they got to the point when they were talking about the Raw Chamber, and he was talking about the the superstars that were in that chamber. And he was obviously talking about how they're all uh, world champions or ex-world champions. Great. But he, I don't know if you noticed this, but he just kept slipping up. Like, I don't know, everything he said didn't make sense or he sort of backtracked on his own. He just, mm. he's so opinionated, but I don't, it, it, it baffles me. Like, I've always said this, and I'm sure, like, there were no way when we've discussed it, I know you said it was you that was going to go on the rant about JBL. <laughs> but I've, I've, had, I've had time to reflect, and I think... He's the luckiest man in the world because if they had never introduced, this is kind of about the time that I stopped watching it. But yeah, if never I didn't introduced, see a lot of JBL's uh, like repackaging. Exactly. If they'd have never introduced a, a brand, a brand split, and in the draft, 
I mean, there's a list of people that would have never been world champion, I think, if there was oh, no yeah. such thing as, as, as a brand split. But Dave Elliott is definitely up there. Like, he, he upset that, that that incarnation of the WWE title, when it became the undisputed title, and that design, that design of the belt, to this day is one of my favourite designs for the, any WWE title. And it hurts me to think that a, uh, a lot of its tenure was carried by JBL. Yeah, definitely. I think... As I say, uh, I, I was kind of aware of that like horrific match he had with with Eddie Guerrero. Where it was just like it was streams and streams of blood, and I think he kind of was a good foil as as a heel champion. It's more just the sort of the, the guy himself. I think when he was on commentary, he used to annoy me quite a lot. And I think you know you hear stories about some of the stuff he's done. I don't really know why in in 2021 there's a place for people like JBL and, and Jerry Lawler on those kickoff shows i know i know king wasn't on last night but they're just so sort of antiquated and and dated and and they don't even appear to be keeping up to date with the show themselves so yeah we had we had this i don't even know what you'd call it really a sort of a number two contendership match would it be for the u.s title later in the night so we had john morrison mustafa yep. ali yep elias yeah and then ricochet and, and then ricochet yeah that's right I was watching this match and, you know, I don't particularly mind any of these guys too much. Elias has gone a bit off the boil since he was seemed to be on Raw every week singing. Ricochet, I think, could have maybe done with an extra year in NXT, but he, he's very enjoyable to watch. I can see why he'd, you know, he's a sort of selling point on the main roster. Mustafa Ali, man, I mean, talk about sort of sliding doors. I think it was like two years ago that he got injured and he was replaced in the chamber by Kofi. Well, yeah, this is that was a big talking point of the night, wasn't it? Yeah, and you just think, man, if if maybe he'd have had that match, I don't know if he'd have had the same sort of performance, but I remember the crowd being kind of hot on him at the time, and he dropped out, and, and people were hot on Kofi, and they ended up having him... He went to the last two, didn't he? I think he lost to Brian, but that's kind of how Kofi Mania was, was born. Yeah, it's how it was born, exactly. But yeah, he's just now in this retribution angle, and... I mean, what are your thoughts on on the retribution uh, clan? Um, I think they've tried to recreate Nexus, haven't they? And I think they've tried to give it like that angle, but then it was also a case of they played this big part of how they are retribution and they're they're against WWE and they're there to you know right WWE's wrongs. But then on the front of it, they're 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 WWE employees. They take a paycheck, and I know I understand that they, it's it's part of the storyline. But I still just think it's really hard to invest in this rebellious, um, we don't give a shit group. When at the end of the day, it's Dijakovic in a school mask. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and they're like, so they get exclusively signed to one show. It's just like oh, okay, so that's exactly. that, that's quite rebellious, isn't it? Uh, they want yeah. to bring down the company, but, but only on only on Fridays. <laughs> but yeah, we'll only do it on the on 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 Raw. Yeah, it makes yeah. It, it's 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 crazy. And I think I think sticking Ali in there has actually helped them to a degree because I think it's given them a face and and he, and he's doing something. At least we're seeing him on TV. At least we're seeing his he when they do the Raw. T- um, I'm, it's gonna it's it's lost my it's out of my mind now. But the Raw version of Talking Smack. Um, when they do that, he's on that most weeks, and his promos yeah. are good. Like he cuts really good promos about it. like. So I am happy that he's doing something. Uh, but you're right. You're completely right. This time last year, or this time two years ago, 
he was he was he was ready to be fronting up mania. The, the only sort of positive I see from the Mustafa Ali thing at the minute is that he is sort of getting TV time and he's in a stable. It reminds me a little bit of when Punk was doing the Straight Edge Society. Yeah, it, it was it was good. I don't think anyone sort of ever believed it was going to go massive. I think you know it was uh, Selena and Gallows, wasn't it, and Joey Mercury who were in that. They yeah, at least was, yeah. had a little bit more. Wow, just not not fucking daft names, I suppose. For starters, I think being paired with like T Bar and Slapjack, it's, <laughs> it kind of instantly hurts him. But at least for for the, I mean. I, I don't know why they couldn't have just been themselves. It, it might have been better if it was just Dijakovic and um, who, who's the other guy in there as well? Is uh, is it Shane Thorne? That's the one. Yeah, like Shane Thorne's a pretty fucking strong wrestling name. Just have him in there as himself. And the, um, then there's the guy that was on commentary for a while when they sort of reached when the, when SmackDown went over to Fox and took uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Uh, Raw got like a completely new commentary team. Oh um, yeah, was, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he took a he took an F five through the commentary table, and then it was never seen again. He got right. taken, okay. Samoa Samoa Joe got his job, and then turns out Samoa Joe was actually really good at it. So yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, it's a shame with Mustafa, but I suppose being on TV is a positive. And I think, like you say, if if he can just sort of come through this angle without looking too ridiculous, uh, which which I don't think he does per se. I think you know he's. He's quite good at talking. He's, he's a good wrestler. He's going to be okay. It's just whether this angle completely gets him future endeavoured, I suppose. But yeah, right. I'd, I'd love to see him come out the back end of it with with maybe a bit of a face run. Like you say, there's there's enough titles now in wrestling for him to get his hands on. So I think going going back to the um, to the pre-show match as well, the Fatal Four Way. I think that for me, it felt a bit like it was a numbers game. So it felt like it was those four people were in there because there was just four people doing nothing. Yeah, it didn't definitely. Feel like, it didn't feel like none of them had really any sort of momentum or, or, or connection to the US title race. I know that Riddle and Lashley have been doing that dance for a few weeks now. Um, and then obviously there's the friendship between Riddle and Lee that kind of came into it. And, and that's why Lee ended up getting pushed into it and unfortunately, I think the angle is that he got beat up by Lashley, so he was injured. But I'm I'm fairly certain it's his fiance, also part of Retribution. My Yim, she has COVID, so I'm thinking. Oh, okay. In, in by definition, he must have it now. I think because right. they missed the rum. They both missed the rumble because of it. Um, and I'm under the impression that, that that's that's why he's off TV at the moment. With with the the fatal four way, so I believe John Morrison got the pin on Ali, uh, which that's right. Great little rub for for Mustafa getting pinned by a thirty eight year old or whatever he is. But it's <laughs> uh, it put John Morrison in the in the triple threat match for later in the night. There was then a really weird old spice advert. I don't know if you saw this. I just made a little note of it. It was like some Black Mirror or Jordan Peele type of thing, where some guy was sat in a chair and his his, his face. Or outer layer of skin peeled off. Did you see this, or was I having a bit of a fever cheese dream? I I do I'm not I do remember seeing that there was an old spice advert, but I think by this point I maybe sort of had, had turned away or, or gone to get a coffee or something. But uh, yeah, I don't remember seeing anybody's face peeling off. But I, right. I will. I feel like I'm, next time I'm watching something on the network, I'll keep my eyes peeled for it. No yeah, I, I mean, you know, not a highlight, but it's uh, it was just something that sort of stood out to me in in the most horrible way. So we opened the show then with the 
SmackDown Chamber match, which I think was a good way to do it. I think having yeah, I having think the bookend of the now. show. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, Sami Zayn, I've got here with him coming out. I just I love the little gimmick he's doing with his like sort of documentary camera crew. I think it's it really suits him, and it it doesn't come across as too sort of cheesy. He's a uh, he's a good comedy comedy character, Sami Zayn, but he's got a he's got the sort of the, the talent to back it up. Do you know what? I think you're completely right. And I think it's such a shame that it took him so long to win the Intercontinental title. And when he did, it was so well-deserved because he's... I remember one of my first experiences of NXT was um, was his last match on NXT at a takeover against Nakamura. And it was Nakamura's first match. And I remember just being blown away by both of them mm. and thinking, this is the future of wrestling right here. Which is daft because obviously I didn't know much about other promotions at this point. And... I'm saying it as if they're the future of wrestling, but both had prestigious careers before um, Sami Zayn in New Japan and, um, and Nakamura was the first ever IWGP Intercontinental Champion, and he was the junior heavyweight champion plenty of times. So, so like they're not they're, they're, they're as far as sort of like the age bracket goes, they're not the future of wrestling. It's just that they've finally come to WWE, and I remember just being blown away by both and. Going on, just focusing on Sami Zayn, I remember when they turned him heel, and I, I said to a friend, after a couple of weeks of him being heel, and he was this really annoying, in-your-face heel, I was like, I hate him. I hate him. I, I'm so gutted, because I loved Sami Zayn, and now I actually hate him. And my friend turned to me, and he said, well, he's doing his job right then. He's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. Yeah, definitely. And, and I was just, and it, it stuck with that. And I'm thinking, since then, since he sort of lost partnered off uh stopped partnering off with kevin owens and kevin owens turned face and he went down this camo pants hanging around with cesaro and nakamura and trying to be the manager and then eventually got himself to ic champion and all that sort of stuff yeah i completely agree with you i love it i think what he's doing is great it's great work yeah and i think with zane you know it's maybe a bit of a uh, beacon of hope for anyone who's, who's sort of in an angle at the minute or in a sort of position on the card where they don't really seem like they're being utilized I think such is the nature of, of particularly the, the way the show's booked that you know you, things will change at the drop of a hat. You, you can get moved into different things and and different parts of the show. And Sami Zayn has kind of endured some some shit really to get to where he is now. I don't think yeah. he was ever sort of genuinely believable as a as a contender in this match, but I think the fact that he is sort of a first rate wrestler and he's got a good angle behind him. He he was someone in there who you felt could score a pinfall or two, and I think that's always important. You know, I, I remember there being people in the chamber in previous years where you just think, you know, you're blatantly yeah, the first out. Spot, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we had Zayn out first, and then we had Kevin Owens, who I think you're pretty pretty big on at the moment. Uh, Massively, he, yeah. He was out next, uh, followed by King Corbin. A L- little bit of a of a tester here for you, Quinn. W- when. When was uh, Baron Corbin crowned King of the Ring, do you think? Oh, um, it was at... A, the, the final was at a pay-per-view, wasn't it? But it was over a course of uh, Raw and SmackDown. It was like... But it wasn't a, It wasn't an all-in-one-night tournament like it used to be back when, when we started watching it. Um, so, se- I know September, be... September 2019 was, was when he won King oh, of the really? Ring. Oh, really? And he's still oh, really? got the gimmick now. I mean, I know there hasn't been a King of the Ring since, but... I mean, does and that need be to serious, drop though. off? Booker T, Booker T almost built a, the back end of his career off it. Very true, yeah. I just don't know if the King thing's necessary for him. I mean, he... 
Corbin's an interesting one. I, again, I, I absolutely love this show. I just want to sort of say that, you know, outright. It's not we're not being negative. We've just got you know a lot of opinions on on things. I think Corbin is someone who's going to be in WWE for for decades. He seems to be pretty safe. He seems to be a good heel. He could probably have a good face run eventually. Well, I'm fairly certain he's homegrown. I'm fairly certain he he hasn't touched wrestling before WWE. I think that's correct. I think he might have been in uh, college football uh, prior yes, to. Yes, I believe so. He's yeah. got that sort of that build, and yeah, I mean, for someone as as um, green as that, if you like, to be where he is now, he's not terrible on the mic. He's he gets a lot of heat for what he does, and he he wouldn't look out of place with a belt either. So, for me, Corbin's kind of a, a ready-made you know lifer, if you like. I just don't know if the the King Corbin thing, especially with it being, I mean, what, what do you want to call it, pre-COVID or, or almost two years ago? Like, it just seems that well, lingering. Is, I, I think if it was to be something that they used commonly, um, if, like, it was Money in the Bank or Elimination Chamber, it was that gimmick, then obviously he still wouldn't be King, but it would make a lot more sense and it would have a lot more, a um, bit more fluff behind it, I think. Um it's something they do. I think the one, the last King of the Ring before him was possibly Wade Barrett, which was possibly 2000, yeah. 2013, 2015 tops. Maybe not even 2015, maybe earlier. And then before that, it was Sheamus, which wasn't consecutively the year before. It was probably two years before. So it's just there's no real rhyme or rhythm with it. And I, and, and I know I've read a couple of times that it's Vince McMahon he's sort of he wants him to keep that gimmick because it it's meant to show how he's progressed from a baron to a king right. i know that sounds insanely daft but <laughs> i'm sure over the course of this podcast we will talk about things that vince has suggested or said and we will think that they are insanely daft oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean jesus um, the, whole, the whole show could be based on, on a, a single idea every week with the the chamber match then so we started with daniel bryan and cesaro which i mean jesus i could have just watched those two go for pretty much the whole night really oh just yeah absolutely two two of the best i think in in terms of in-ring technicians and it it was for me between ko and cesaro who might win but yeah it was it was great i think Cesaro had a couple of cool spots where he was chasing Sami Zayn around the top of the chamber and he kind of did some pull-ups off the ceiling. And then, yeah, I think he got the first elimination, actually, so he tapped Corbin, and I think that was quite a good decision. I think it kind of got the crowd, you know, be it virtual, certainly sitting at home, to be like, do you know what, someone someone might win this who, who we want to win this. It, it kind of only really left Jay in there as as the heel, and I don't think the way that Reigns and, and Jay are portrayed with them being aligned with Heyman, they're not exactly like your sort of like hated heels, are they? They're, they've got that sort of cool vibe to them. So when it went down to those five, even with Zayn, it, it felt like, well, at least Corbin's not going to win, certainly for me anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we would have loved to have seen Cesaro take the win. I've seen a few things online today that kind of established that, that that's where the fans wanted it to go, especially after he's just re-signed. And I think he was, he's was he he's got a really good push the last few weeks over a win over Brian and things like that. A uh, win over Nakamura. And I, exactly what you're saying with the, with the sort of like the focus of the heel. I think with Jey Uso, he, he, he seems conflicted still, doesn't he? And I think that's it's more a sympathetic take on your approach to his heel rather than just going, 
no, I do not like that guy. Yeah, definitely. And I think that could be a massive story down the line, you know, for, for Jay to come up as a as a real sort of babyface singles competitor the day that he sort of finally has that, like, Batista turn on, on the family, if you like. Absolutely. So, yeah, KO came out, uh, hit a mad moonsault off the top of the pods onto everyone, sort of stunned everyone quite a few times, um, and then got quite quickly eliminated by Jay Uso. He caught, sort of caught his arm in the door and super kicked the mm-hmm. shit out of him landed the, the splash and, and eliminated him and I thought I, I, for me like he was my pick going in I think as I say I'd have liked to see Cesaro win it but I thought KO was, was viable based on the stuff they've been doing with yeah. Reigns and, and KO recently but yeah Jay, Jay got rid of him so we were down to four from that point and then it, it just became sort of this incredible spot fest from then on really i think cesaro hit like a top rope elbow drop which i, I don't recall him doing too often and he hit some vicious swings as well so he, he set up jay uso for the swing but he was just kind of like bashing his head against either side against of the, the chamber. cage yeah yeah i saw that yeah and that looked great i think when they use the the chamber f- for those type of spots i think it always adds to the the reason for it being that match you know, I know that they try and use the pods and the plexiglass as much as possible, and, and we'll come on to that in the the main event as well. But I think the the just sort of in, ingenuity of obviously him chasing Zayn around the top and then using the swing on Jay for either side of the cage was quite cool. He then hit like a fall away slam into the ring on Brian, which I thought was pretty impressive. And he hit a top rope gut buster as well, I've got written down here, which I don't know if you remember. He had, I think it was Brian up on his shoulders and he sort of dropped him onto his knee, onto his gut from the top rope. And I was just thinking, this guy's either about to get eliminated very shortly or he's going to go on and win the whole thing. Who went next then? I think it might have been... Cesaro, I think. Cesaro, yeah. I think, did Jay get rid of him? Yes, that's right, yeah. I think there was a, a sort of a bit of a sequence of like finishes on everyone, yeah. and I think Jay might have eliminated Cesaro after that. I think, in regards to the gut buster you're talking about, I'm, I'm fairly certain that took DB out for a while. So I think that it was just boiled down to the two between Cesaro and Jay, and I think then Jay got the upper hand, hence then when DB came sort of back from there, and if I recall. But yeah, that was something that I think, I don't know if anybody watching it was expecting it. No, um, I thought I honestly my opinion was when he got Cesaro out that Jay was going to go the distance and then it was just going to be a, I'll lay down and take the pin so that and that's how sort of Reigns was going to get out of his match sort of thing. Yeah, um, because obviously at this time we didn't know where in the bill that they were getting their rematch, did we? We, we no. weren't sure when that was going to come in. So I thought as soon as Cesaro got eliminated because he was my pick, as I said earlier, he was he was my pick. To, to clean that as almost like a thank you for re-signing but as soon as yeah as soon as Jay hit that super kick and the frog splash again I just thought that he might be walking away with this yeah definitely and it ultimately came down then so yeah Jay Jay eliminated Cesaro which was a, a bit of a a bit of a kicker obviously forgetting slightly but obviously Zayn must have gone prior to that as well and yeah we were down to D Brian and Jay Uso and it it looked for like you just said then for, for all sort of intents and purposes that, that Jay was going to do it and then have this lay down match against against his cousin. But Debray managed to to get the win, uh, running knee, uh, which was just incredible. And he's won a couple of chambers now, Debray. It's kind of becoming his sort of his bit uh, in those. You know, he beat Kofi the other year as well when he was heel. Uh, as like the, I think that could have been his fourth chamber, you know. Potentially. Uh, I think, I'm sure they mentioned in the, the, the lead up to it that he's already won three. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I, mean, I believe that could have been his fourth, yeah. And he's sort of building that thing up of, you know, that they might use his name in the future to be sort of the, uh, you know, the mantle to reach if you want to sort of talk about experience. And, you know, like they do with the Rumble with sort of yeah, like of Austin and, and Kane, for example. So, yeah, big, big sort of... Um, focus on the knee injury that he'd suffered uh, but he finally got the win and, and it was like okay well he might not win the title but he's definitely going to give Reigns a, a slog fest later in the night and then I thought this would be a good time to go for a piss sort of come back and, and watch the rest of it but Roman Reigns music hits and out he comes heel-ish as fuck I think is how, how you worded it at the time um, oh yeah such a heel move that Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and like you say, nobody knew. I don't think I had even considered it at the time. I just figured it would be later in the night. I think I hadn't really sort of grasped what the card was fully going to be, but I didn't expect him to come out straight away. No, and it makes perfect sense because I think realistically, we both said, didn't we? We knew going into Chamber that Reigns was not dropping because obviously we'll focus in a minute. There's his WrestleMania angle. So he's, he's money, he's, Roman Reigns is money regardless. So there's no way you're going to have him not have that title at WrestleMania. So I think for what we were considering was that, yeah, eventually you would get, you would get somebody, Cesaro, DB alike, to win the chamber. And then later in the evening, you were going to just get a four or five star match again, but this time featuring Reigns. I think yeah. when that, his music hit and he came down that uh, ramp, I think I just remember. I think I texted you, and I was just like, "This is just this is a heel move." This, yeah, and it made and it and it completely made sense. It completely made sense that that's how he was going to retain. Yeah, definitely, and I mean, obviously, I agree with everything you've just said. But when Debray like sidestepped the spear and put the label lock on, yeah, like, for for a split second, I was thinking, "Oh my god, he's going to actually <laughs> win the title off Reigns because Heyman's given it the hands on head at ringside, which he's kind of." He should patent really because it's like his his move, like yes, his, his just complete shock of his his top guy being uh, beat. I think Brian had a sort of similar type thing against Lesnar uh, a little while back, where nobody kind of expected Brian to do much because of how short Lesnar's matches had been in the run up to that, and they actually went a little bit longer than surprised uh, than than anticipated. Sorry, and yeah, Brian's kind of against big guys he's kind of got that difference in style and he works that really well so yeah he, he hit the label lock but then rain sort of powers out and then just pummels daniel bryan to the mat uh hits him with a, a pretty big power bomb and then was it a head scissors to to finish it with the yeah it was yeah, didn't, yeah didn't tap. knocked him unconscious no i think just going back to that lesnar match um i know we could probably talk about lesnar again for an entire episode but he's lesnar seems to do that he does that. He works really well against smaller guys if he wants to. And I think the match you're talking about was a Survivor Series. And he'd had a match against AJ Styles at the Survivor Series before that. Uh, champion v. Champion. And and, and DB, I think the result with, with Reigns was exactly the same. It was He'd managed to get Lesnar in, in a label lock and, and he was prized out of it. But yeah, stuff like that, they, they bring the best out of each other. I think it's more so to, it's the skill of, of, of Daniel Bryan that he can, can bring that out of these big guys yeah absolutely and I think as well that that's maybe a little taster of, of what could come down the line I think with Brian winning the chamber match he's he's kind of got to be considered the the next best if you like I know obviously what happens next is that as Reigns is celebrating Edge comes out and spears him which is 
the statement of him facing him at Mania now, it's going to be Edge versus Reigns. I think, apart from Edge pointing at the sign, pointing at the title, spearing Reigns, Michael Cole handily told us that that match was going to happen during Nia Jax's entrance later in the night as well. Um, yeah. Not not sure what that was for, because I think everyone and, and their dog had figured that out by that point. But yeah, how are you feeling about Edge versus Reigns? Uh, I think, again, I think it's money. I think it's there's there's plenty more people I would I would like to see Edge face at WrestleMania. Um, the the list goes on and on, but I think for what this is, and I think it's a no brainer that he wins. Okay, but we'll see, we'll see. But I, yeah, I, it could have been worse. But I, I I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I've got written here so man bun mania, which I think they could they could maybe bill it as a couple couple of man buns going at it. Both, Absolutely, both with spears as well. I yeah. I'm not against Edge. I think he he's great. I, I don't know how I feel about him winning the Rumble, particularly from the number one spot. I think there's there's a bit of a story to be told there on a guy who hasn't been in the company for very long, doing something that people who wrestle 300 days a year ha- haven't been able to do very often. I don't quite know what that says about the competition, but... I understand giving him that WrestleMania moment. And I think from, from what I've read and heard, that Edge is kind of here to stay. He's not he's not on some little gimmick run back in the company. I think, you know, he wants to see out his career in wrestling and, and put other guys over. The stuff that he sort of did with, with Finn and, and Pete Dunne on NXT in the build-up to their match really helped, I think. Uh, Massively, so, yeah. I think with Edge, I think that's the concern. I think we sit there and we 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 say how angry it makes us for these part timers to come back when we see Goldberg or when we see Lesnar or, and we think, what are you doing? Like you're just taking up spot for these young kids or these guys, these young guys that we enjoy to watch. We enjoy to watch through NXT and and things like that. And I know Brian is doing it at the minute. Brian is, other than his win last night, he still puts Cesaro over. Like he still showed how talented Cesaro is and how talented Jey Uso is and 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 Brian is obviously taking um a producer role as well so he's 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 the man behind Big E's push and um, oh okay I didn't know that. he's yeah so he's the one that's kind of like he's got a lot of pull Daniel Bryan and I think he kind of sort of says he sits in the um the gorilla position a lot and then sort of just says like these are the people that I think should get pushed and these they, they tend to be doing like Cesaro and Big E are two really big examples Almost like what Paul Heyman was doing on Raw, except for Danny Bryan's not a dick, so um, <laughs> uh, he, he they appreciate he's doing it. And I think Edge was offered the similar role when he got injured after Backlash last year. He was said, "Do you want to do this? Like, do you want this role? Do you want to be more producer and then wrestle part time?" And he kind of just said, "No." He was like, "No, no, I've got X amount of years left. Yeah. I want to be at the top of my game." Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's ironic that we sometimes will say that we don't like these big these part timers coming in and, and taking um, these positions. So I and but I love the fact that Edge won the Rumble. So I really do hope that over the next year, Edge proves to us that he isn't this part time. He isn't going to be a part time champion, and he is here to stay. Like he is here to to be there every week. And and yeah. I think if he can prove that, then he's you know he's got a lot more to give. He retired early. You know he he, he wouldn't have definitely retired at that age if he had a choice. So. No, definitely. And I think that's sort of a great point that you make, really, because he, he's the kind of guy, I think, you know, that match that he had back last year at Mania with, with Orton, he'd not wrestled barely anything in, in eight or nine years. And then he goes for 
35 minutes or longer, was it? It might have been even longer, you know, with Orton at Mania uh, in, in that street fight or, or Last Man Standing, whatever it oh, was. Oh, yeah, I think, that was cl- I think that was closer to 45 minutes, I think. Yeah, it was an absolute slog. And, you know, obviously it was a gimmick match, so there were things that they could sort of do to, to buy the time and stuff. But it, it wasn't like he just came back and had sort of a spear fest a la Goldberg. You know, he yeah. he's obviously, he can go. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Edge and Reigns, man. I think it's going to be a, a good, good fight. I, I don't know if it headlines Mania, but it, I mean, it could head, headline one of the nights if they're doing another two night extravaganza, as, as they're calling it these days. Um, I then I had think... a, a note on Michael Cole, um, basically just, <laughs> just shitting the bed trying to talk about Bad Bunny. Did you see this? I did. I did. Yeah, how he he struggled to pronounce it, didn't he? It was just like, uh, almost yeah. like he couldn't couldn't get it right. There was big bad, big bad, big bad, big bad. Yeah, big. I think he was trying to call him Big Bunny or Bugs Bunny <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I definitely. I think you just caught um, uh, Corey Graves caught just sort of just staring at him, just thinking, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Cole. He's probably showing his age there a little bit, but what it does is it leads us to this backstage segment with with Bad Bunny and The Miz. I'm um, glad you brought that up. I'm glad you're about to finish this up because continue, but I've got a, yeah, well, very yeah, strong so, opinion on that segment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jesus. It was, um, it didn't really seem to sort of make a whole lot of sense. So Bad Bunny's just been the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. So it's That's obviously right. a, a great time to sort of have him around as well. He's the current 24-7 champion, which, uh, again, we, we spoke about the Attitude Area earlier. I, I used to love the hardcore title. I think it was a big big bit of fun in an otherwise quite a sort of wrestle-heavy show. Pe- people might disagree with that. There was a lot of sort of gimmicks going on in the, in the late 90s and early 2000s. But for me, it, it was just a bit of fun. I, I don't fully enjoy 17 dudes running around the ring chasing a champion but I like the idea of it being won by pretty much anyone uh, anywhere it kind of gives them an opportunity to do it cross-platform you know you've seen people on sort of other talk shows in airports just getting pinned and always reminds me of the I think it might have been Royal Rumble or Wrestlemania of around 2000 2001 where Gerald Briscoe had won the title and he was so worried about getting pinned backstage that he had two referees with him at all times. And I think one of the referees ends up pinning him. And it's just like this just constant sort of like joke segment going through the show. So I'm not against Bad Bunny having that. Miz comes over for some reason just to give him some shit about it not being him and Morrison as the musical guest on SNL, which I don't really want to talk about because Miz and Morrison doing music videos is is not something I want to sort of try and remember. Fortunately, I don't think it's the the last we'll hear of it either. Oh God! I mean, it, what it led to was was Bad Bunny slapping the Miz, and this is why I'm glad you've brought it up. This was something that caught my attention straight away. That if I was the Miz, as soon as that camera went off shot, I'd be having words with the producer or something <laughs> because that wasn't that wasn't a a a a well-spotted slap that was oh it was a slap yeah he, he, was, he yeah. looked like it stung yeah big time and i mean i think i kind of think that maybe miz has said to bad bunny you know just lay it on me because i oh if, really if okay. if miz is aware of how his night may end he might just be like yeah just just slap the taste out of my mouth i don't know i maybe you're right yeah but again weirdly so i, I understand the affiliation i think they grew up in the same neighbourhood, in the same country, but 
Miz turns around to retaliate and what I'd like to call the the ghost of Corbin's past was stood there. So this is the most boring wrestler, I think, in in all time ever. Not interested. Oh, he was he was North American champion in NXT for for a small period of time, and then had sort of a, a relatively interesting angle with Gargano. But I think it was only made by Gargano. I yeah, think, yeah, it's I da- Damian think... Damian Priest, isn't it? Like Damian Priest, that's right. Yeah, he looks like the lone wolf version of Baron Corbin. He's not very interesting at all. He's come up super early. I think you know. Again, we talk about sort of people who who could maybe do with a little bit longer on NXT, but he's he's possibly going to be in a bit of a gimmick tag match at Mania, do we think, with Bad Bunny? Well, I did. I assumed that that was going to be the case. After the closing moments of Chamber last night, I don't know now, um, because I could have only seen it with Miz and Morrison. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Okay, well, we move on then to the US title match. Um, so this yes. was the triple threat match. Um, I didn't have sort of loads to, to sort of say on this. Um, again, at, at the time of sort of just taking in notes for it. Bobby Lashley, they had a great year. I think the hair business are a, a fantastic faction. I really like what they've done there. But it, he's not someone that sort of ever appeals to me. Again, I, I wasn't particularly eyes on when he had his first run. And he doesn't do enough for me to sort of get me interested Riddle, again, would have liked to see him probably win the NXT title first. I think he's good, a great wrestler, obviously, and again, someone who's come with with pedigree from from the indies. I just don't know about this whole sort of Joker thing all the time. I don't know. Where where are you at with the sort of... I know you're a big Jomo fan as well. I am, yeah, but I think that's more a nostalgia thing. I did love um, John Morrison when he was around, and I'm, if I can be perfectly honest with you, I'm a bit disappointed about um, the way he's been treated since he's come back. Um, so I was obviously hoping for a Jomo win, but going into the, the, the storyline later in the night, it wouldn't have made sense for, for, for Morrison to take the title because then you wouldn't have got any other connection through that we'll go into with Lashley. Um uh, lastly, yeah, he's had a great year. I, I've never, I don't, I don't rate him. I've, it's never been something that I want to interest, like sit and watch. I think his gimmick is a bit roid head, um, but I think that's what Vince likes. And I think um, he's he will be a champion at some point. I think I can just say it's, it's just got Vince written all over him. But I think he's a bit wooden. I think he just kind of like plays that I'm a strong man, and you know, and, and he never really has overly exciting matches. And Riddle. Riddle is, for me, I mean, you can't even, you, they, they took away his first name because you can't Google him. If you Google his full name, well, we all know, we've all heard the stories. So mm. we know what would come up. And I just think that, just to me, he's got an MMA background. He likes to run his mouth. Um, he's talented. He's talented. He's good at what he does. I just I just don't know why he's been, he's been forced onto the main roster. Nah. Um, yeah, you're right. I think he probably could have stayed in NXT and maybe had an NXT title run for first. Um, I don't ever see him as a main eventer. I just don't. It's tricky. So when he was on NXT and, and doing all this thing, I, I kind of had him sort of touted as, as a definite future WWE champion. I think coming up early, you, you kind of get lost in the shuffle a bit. Again, going back to people like Zayn and Ali, you know, and even Kofi is a good example. 
it's not it's never done like it's it, you know it, people can forget what you were before yeah um, of so I, I don't think that it's necessarily detrimental for him to be on the main roster i think like you say with his mma background and with the fact that he's quite a, a joker maybe like just use him less in, in almost like a sort of uh conor mcgregor type style mm-hmm. where he just sort of calls people out um and fights them at pay-per-views so you don't need to have him sort of in in and around everything so often i mean putting the u.s title on him is obviously going to be a big deal and, and it'll be good to see him uh may, maybe mature a little bit as a champion i think it's definitely his first singles title on the main roster i don't know if he won a title in NXT correct me if I'm he wrong he won the he won the dusty classic and then won and then went on to win the uh, NXT tag titles with Pete Dunne oh yeah the broserweights wasn't it yeah yeah the broserweights that's right yeah so at the end of the match he steals MVP's crutch uh, obviously no disqualification with it being triple threat and he hits Lashley over the back with it a couple of times this leads that's to right. Lashley falling out the ring and he gets uh, his finisher on John Morrison uh, to to win the title and obviously that that keeps Lashley looking strong. Yes, it um, does. Yeah, for, yeah. I think that's what? why we always thought going in it was a triple threat, didn't we? Because we thought yeah, two two big personalities like well, in their eyes personalities, but uh, Lashley and Riddle neither could go out looking weak in that match. I think so. I think yeah, that needed to happen. Yeah, definitely. And and for me, I thought obviously we'll come on to this later. I thought that was for the purposes of a rematch at Mania. I thought it was kind of setting up this this Riddle Lashley thing, but. Uh, how wrong we we may be. So yeah, we um, we then got the the women's tag team title match, um, and the show was moving on quite could you nicely. Call, could you call that a match? I don't know. If you... <laughs> so my notes for for this, uh, I've put meh, 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 fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> so good, good finish there. Fuck, I think I thought that about three minutes in. I was like, God. Jesus. So a couple of issues again don't want to be negative on this show because I thought overall it was a really good show. Firstly, the... I mean, fucking hell, how long you got? The champions come out first. That's wrong. The tag team champions come out separately, which is wrong. If they're tag team champions, just fucking make a song for them together and having them come out together. Give them a, a name together at the very least, but if not, don't have Shayna come out first and then Naya. You then got them already kind of booking in the fact that they're defending their titles against the winners of the Dusty Classic, which is Takara Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. So already, if you just follow wrestling, never mind dirt sheets, you're thinking, well, why would they be on NXT promoting this match on March the 3rd if they've got this title match where the titles are in jeopardy? Whatever, you kind of get past all this. You then go to the tag team of Bianca Bella and Sasha Banks. Bianca's won the Rumble... She's likely going to pick Sasha as her opponent. I think, yeah, I think that's it. It's not, she's not confirmed it yet, has she? But I definitely think that's the angle they'll go down. Well, this is point seventy-four of the reasons why I hated this match, Quinn, because surely the only reason for this match to be on the card is so at the end of it, Bianca makes her intentions clear either with, uh, a, a, you know, a clubbing forearm or a super yeah. kick or, or even just a point to keep herself as a baby face or... Or maybe Sasha attacks her and says, you know, you're not coming after exactly. my Exactly. But it just, just, it just fucking ended. Nothing. Yeah, there was two ways There was two ways I thought this match was going to end, personally. And I thought it was going to be that they would have, that the, the champions would have retained. And then Sasha would have blamed 
yeah, Bel Air. Yeah. And then there would have been, and because Bel Air is is the 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 obvious choice for the babyface going into that match. And I think, or you know, even even on a cuff, if it was if it was a case of Bel Air was the one that did the heel turn, maybe that is the it can it's make like you said it's established that match is happening done, or the thing that WWE love to do is the odd couple, and yeah. that they were gonna put the tag titles on the two people that were going to Intermania. They did it with HBK and Cena. They've done it with Batista. I think every any title any tag title run that Cena's had has been with uh, somebody yeah. he's meant to be facing at a pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of problems with, with that in general. You know, I think uh, people holding more than one title kind of annoys me somewhat. Yeah, the, the roster's big enough. You know, yeah, you don't fucking hell it, it is. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, Jericho and The Rock have done it. I think you... And I, I said, I remember saying to my friend who was watching as I was trying so hard to watch that match. I said, I think they're going to go down that angle. And you're right. To finish it on some sommelier. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'd forgotten about this geezer. So just you're going to have to maybe fill me in because I've not been watching a ton of it recently. So from what I've grasped from this, um, Reginald. Uh, Reginald, that's his name, yeah, is the is a companion of Carmella um, and all part of all her gimmick. And she Carmella was getting him to wrestle Sasha in the build-up to their match because Carmella's heel gimmick or angle is that she is getting other people to do her work and she doesn't have to do it and she's this sort of high and mighty, untouchable. Right. And and it it fits her because she's gorgeous and it, and she just everything she's she's come on her own she's come out of her own Carmella and and I really do like that angle to a point where it involves Carmella. But this last night didn't. Yeah. And now it's sort of turned on its head and Reginald has become obsessed as michael cole said it has become obsessed with sasha well i've just just, I've just googled it as well and, and so a sommelier on google is is a wine waiter that's right yeah. so that's Somebody's... that's his fucking gimmick oh. yeah that's it that's sorry i so i apologize i said you can tell i work in the industry i've, I've said sommelier like anybody listening will know what that means yeah no but, I, um... I couldn't quite figure out if they were saying somalian or, or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> I mean that's very Vince as well. Just it, completely, yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> yeah. that there's not been a Somalian pirate tag team so far. But why, why on earth in in an industry where you are a professional athlete would you need a fucking wine waiter? He, yeah, he sits in a corner and he pours um, uh, Carmella champagne. Um, and that was part of the gimmick last night that he was going to have champagne waiting for them when they won the tag titles, and he came out early with it. Mm. And and distracted her, and then she got Samoan dropped by um, Maya, the unsafest and... woman on the planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even when she lifted her up, I thought, "Oh God, here we go." <laughs> yeah, I always wince um, when I watch Naya matches. Uh, and again, I mean, the 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 women's champ has been pinned there, albeit with some shenanigans. But obviously, you don't want you don't want Sasha being pinned. You don't particularly want Bianca being pinned. If you're not going to put the titles on them, could you not maybe just do like a a different type of finish. It, it. I just felt like Naya didn't look good for winning because of Reginald. Shayna didn't look good because she didn't get involved in the finish. Sasha got pinned, so she's the women's champion, and and no mention of Mania. And then nothing after. Yeah, it was just like what a fucking waste of time. I, I'm half wondering if it's because of the Sasha Stone Cold thing that they had on afterwards that they didn't want to turn Sasha heel. Yes, um, it's possible. Possible. Yeah. But yeah, what a fucking shit show. We'll move on from that anyway. Have you got any sort of final words on that? 
match. No, no, just 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 that the the that I mean it's something that we can touch on another day. Um but I do think that there's there's a major issue that they're missing them because they, there's a lot of talent in today's women's wrestling. Um a lot of talent. And it they're just not being used right because I think there's still just this like you can't have a women's only pay per view and then have um Becky, Charlotte and Rousey uh, headline mania and have this huge push and then all of a sudden we're still getting shit like that. So that that's all I'll say on it. But Yeah, definitely. So we then move on to the main event, which is obviously the the raw chamber match for the title. And yeah, I think you made a, a good point on the on the WhatsApp last night. Quite a sort of older crowd for this one. Um it was I I'd had a look, it was sort of the the average age was around 41, I think, of the competitors in the ring, um, compared to the SmackDown one, which was 37, which, you know, it's not a massive difference, but I think they maybe felt a little bit older, the, the guys in, in the the main event. It seemed like there were a lot of people who had been around for, for years and years. And, yeah, we had... So, Jeff Hardy, uh, Randy Orton, they started the match. Uh, obviously, Sheamus had won a gauntlet match on Raw, meaning that he could enter last, which makes perfect sense for, for the heel as well. And then, in order of release, if you like, from the pods, we had Drew out third, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, then yeah, Kofi, it was, actually. And, and then AJ. I think AJ's sort of entrance was quite interesting. He got his big bodyguard, Omos, to let him out the the back by pulling the glass up and um, try to get a couple of quick pins in. So, yeah, I quite liked the way that they did that with him. That that Omos then got ejected. I had a couple of streaming issues around sort of this point of the match, so I kind of missed a little bit. But what I did see was Kofi getting the pin on Orton. So he was the first out. Yeah, Orton was the first out, that's right, which I wasn't expecting. No, he's... So, again, Orton is someone who, if you look at sort of every face champion for the last decade, they've gone through him to get established he's yeah. he's almost always the first or second uh, obstacle for a brand new babyface champion he's got that sort of that pedigree of him where he can just turn evil uh, uh, you know on a switch uh, and he does usually provide good fodder you can say what you like about Orton I, I, you know he doesn't excite me as a wrestler but he's whoever is the next champion for example who's a face they're going to face Orton at some point for the belt because that's just the way it goes I think with Orton as well, I think if he, he really does sort of have that pull that everyone talks about. And I think he's he's got he's got very much locker room leader quality. And I think if he likes you and you know, he, and he's really it's ready to work with you, he'll put you over. He's put Drew over so many times in the last few months. Yeah. Um definitely. and he's and he's just very good at what he does. Like you said, he doesn't necessarily excite me. I don't think, oh, I can't wait to watch a Randy Orton match. But I think that he's you, you're going to see a, a, a high level, like a high graded match from him, if he likes you. And yeah. I think, but on the flip side of it, I think he's had issues with Kofi in the past, hasn't he, about unsafe work. And and I think with, I mean, other other um, superstars back in the day, I think he's they lost their job based on Orton not being a fan. So, um, <laughs> all, all around good guy then, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, top top guy. But born, but born yeah, on think... April Fool's Day, Randy Orton as well, which is probably the most ironic. He thing. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so he went quite early to to sort of a roll up. Really, I can't remember the the exact pinning combination, but it it was a sort of crossbody pin that 
it was a bit surprising really and then he went on a bit of an RKO fest and, and that's what led did, yeah. uh, AJ to come out and, and try and get a couple of quick pins uh, as I say had a bit of streaming issue here thanks to the WWE Network for that but I vaguely saw Adam Pearce who is you know the the bald Brad Maddox come out and eject Omos is that correct? He did yeah yeah so at this point I wasn't sure what was going on because but obviously, with the, they didn't count down to it, AJ coming in, and he got that out and came in himself. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it, it looked like he was trying to get away, like he didn't want to be in the match, or what they were going on, or if he was going to officially be in the match. I don't know. I didn't know what the angle was. And then Adam Pearce sort of came down and sort of escorted Osmos out, and then yeah, it continued as normal. Yeah, and then we had Kofi do a nice little leap. Uh, so he got thrown into the turnbuckle from the outside of the ring. He kind of like springboarded onto the turnbuckle and then jumped onto Sheamus and Drew, who were brawling. And then we had this huge sort of superplex spot where Drew superplexed Sheamus, you know, with like the assist from Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles mm-hmm. on either side, uh, which was a pretty cool move. Kofi had some nice bits, like like you'd imagine, really, with him. Uh, and then a really nice little segment in the match of, of Sheamus and Kofi who, as I was watching it, I was just thinking, you know, like these two have been in it for, for so long now, but they're... I've had trouble in the past with Seamus in terms of just being engaged with what he's doing, but I think at the minute I quite like how he is, and, and it was just a bit of a brutal sort of chop fest between them two. They were just sort of slapping slapping each other around, and, and it got really sort of physical, and, and it, I thought it worked really well for that portion of the match. Yeah, I agree. I do like what the... I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I love the angle that they've gone with Seamus at the minute and exactly the same. I've had problems with him in the past myself. I thought sometimes maybe they're not using him right or maybe he doesn't have enough character to him. But but this whole sort of friend angle is working. And um, again, which is why I thought the, the, the finish was would, would have been different. I wasn't seeing the finish the way it was going to go. But I don't think it's the end. I don't think we've seen the end of Seamus v Drew McIntyre. No, definitely. And so he he ends up bro kicking Kofi uh, to eliminate him. That's Jeff, right. Yeah. Jeff then gets a little bit of a spot in where he hits a couple of twister fates on. I think it was Drew and AJ, and then he does like a, another big, big like uh, coffin drop. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Or something like that onto everyone, like just sort of a backdrop onto everyone, and then a swanton onto AJ. He then got Claymored out of pretty much nowhere and, and Drew pinned him to, to get Jeff out. So we were down to the final three at that point. Uh, we had Drew, Sheamus and AJ. And again, another sort of great mini-match within the match itself. And so at this point, you're thinking it's going to go down to the two Brits, are you? That Yeah, that was, well, that was my thinking completely. It would make sense, expect- yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always had it in my head that Drew was going to re- retain. I thought if anybody out of those guys is going to be going to Mania with the, with the title, it, it was going to be Drew, I think, especially with him. I know he had his Mania moment last year, but let's be honest, it wasn't really much of a moment, was it? Like, it was a sort of quick slog against Lesnar with no crowd. Um, yeah. I honestly did think that, that he'd be going to Mania with that. Um, obviously, there's still time yet. We've still got fast lane. But I just thought that it made sense with everything that's going on in the storyline that the last two were going to be McIntyre and Sheamus. Yeah, definitely. There was a little sort of spot where he he got kneed in the face by Sheamus. He looked pretty vicious. It was almost like a sort of half brogue, if you like, but with yeah. the knee. And then he got white noised 
Uh, he got like a springboard sent on on him from AJ, and then a four fifty splash, and he kicked out of everything. And yeah. that that's sort of when I was thinking, okay, well, there's there's no way he's losing after all this. They're building him up to look like he's immortal. Sheamus then built up a little bit of momentum, but he got future shock DDT'd by Drew. Yeah, and then there was sort of this nice little sequence again of I think it was a bro kick on Drew, but then AJ hit the phenomenal forearm on Sheamus to to get the pin. Again, AJ looked looked great. Tried to hit the phenomenal forearm again. Uh, Drew caught him with like a, an aerial claymore. Yeah, he hit the claymore, didn't he? From the from the top rope. Well, from obviously AJ on his way down with the with the forearm. Yeah, and I think um, it was a good spot. It was a really good spot. There wasn't there wasn't a big transition between Sheamus being eliminated and Drew getting the win. Like that kind of just like it seemed to be like just glide like perfect. Like it was so so smooth. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought and... both both chamber matches did that really well. Every time someone yeah. started building up a bit of a head of steam, it just went sort of like bang bang elimination. But yeah, I mean, Jesus, I think if AJ Styles wasn't a flat earther prior to that claymore, he probably would be now. He just got absolutely leveled, and then he gets the pin. So he Drew retains, and you're thinking, okay, so we're on the road to Mania. So is it maybe going to be Brock out to give him an F five and set that up for a rematch? Might even be Bray. You know, expecting the lights to go out, but it's Bobby, big Bobby Lashley yeah, comes out. Bobby Lashley. I, I mean, did you see this coming at all? Uh, well, I don't know if you missed it or not. I don't know. I know I just caught it just before. I think it was before the women's match. There was a small segment where you didn't hear what was talk was being discussed, but um, Miz was having a conversation with MVP, and it was just back. It was just sort of the a backstage segment where you couldn't hear what they were saying, and they were just sort of nodding and agreeing. And oh okay. I, thought, I, I definitely think, missed that. Right. Okay. So that kind of for me built up towards something happening. And being being the heel that Miz is, I just generally didn't believe that Miz would have been able to even after. Not that I was expecting him to come out then, because for me, I I can't see Miz as a main event at Romania. Like I just can't. I can't see any match that he's going to have with like. Were they going to go down the angle with Lashley or what? I just I can't get my head around it. Sorry, so are, you, from, are you saying that you can't see Miz versus Bad Bunny headline in WrestleMania? I, I, can't, I can't. Champion be champion. Well, yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be brilliant. Um, and, I, and I think, so I, I did have my suspicions that they were going to attach the Hurt business to it because um, I think that maybe as as a heel that Miz is, he might have needed that support, as it were. But yeah, I think even though I was saying this to a friend, I think even though... Miz had a successful cash-in, and Miz is now the WWE champion. I still feel like the highlight there was to show how strong Lashley was. I think Miz's win was taken away by the fact that somewhere in the background, they're pushing Lashley to go to Mania. Okay. Uh, it was interesting for me. So I, I, I obviously missed that segment where he was backstage chatting to MVP. I don't yeah. know if there's going to be like a, maybe a, a it develop where he's potentially paid... Uh, the hair business for their services or what have you, but something along those lines, I think it maybe looked like that's what what's brewing. Yeah, and so with with Bobby coming out, I was completely shocked. Like my sort of my jaw was wide open. I couldn't really believe what was going on. I, I had no inclination that it was going to be him. Uh, yeah. And I, I was had a great year as well. And obviously Drew's been through a really long match, and then he gets battered as well. Miz comes out, and I think it's always telling with a cash in when. The referee just cashes it in when he asks him to, rather than this whole sort of like, are you sure? 
Yeah, well, they, they I, do that very often, don't they? That's quite wh- common. Whenever, whenever that happens, you're like, <laughs> fuck, they're going to lose. <laughs> but yeah. the referee was straight to the thing, announced, uh, he hit a DDT and uh, Drew kicked out. And I, he did, I, yeah. I did think at the time, I was like, I don't, I don't know if Miz should be losing at this point after everything that's happened. It would make all of the competitors that Drew has faced, plus Lashley, plus the Miz look a bit shit, I think. So then he hits a school question finale and he gets the pin and he ends the night as champion. Ah, loads of sort of questions in my head of does... I, I didn't realise as well, so again, this is going to be sort of something that people might shout at me for, but there's another pay-per-view to come between now and Mania. I, I thought this was sort of the last stop before, but obviously you've got fast lane as you earlier mentioned. And yeah. I... I don't really know what the plan will be from here. It, are, are we thinking Lashley Drew at Fastlane? I honestly, I don't. I think the build up there. I think Lashley v Drew would have made more sense. I think if if you want my opinion, what I would have, how I would have written it, would have been that that ending still happened minus the cash in, and then Miz just waited till the the roar after Mania and cashed in whoever came out on top of that because mm-hmm. I just don't see because if the if their angle they're going to go down is that the Hurt Locker have helped Miz win the title and then eventually they're pushing Lashley for a title scene and then he what betrays the Miz and then you get the Miz v Lashley I just don't think that I think you could stick that on first on the first night and people will just go okay we can skip this yeah Pre-show. yeah and I'm not and I, I don't and, and I don't, I don't like you said. We don't want to focus on negativity. I don't want to take this away from the Miz because I really want. I couldn't. I the Miz had to have a successful cash in. He did. Nobody's taken that briefcase seriously in about four years, so you couldn't have somebody else have an unsuccessful cash in. So I'm very glad. Ten, eleven years after he was the last champion, he only had one runner's champion. He's champion again. He deserves it. He's worked hard. He's the hardest. He's one of the hardest workers on that roster. No doubt. So does, I, I absolutely love the Miz. I think, you know. Me too. Me too. And he really does deserve it. And hence what we were talking about earlier, why I now understand that John Morrison didn't win the US title because that wouldn't have made sense for his buddy to win the US title, but then Lashley still come out and help him. But yeah, I just, like you said, I've got so many questions and I have no idea what Raw's title scene is going to look like by the time he gets to Mania. No, definitely. No. And I, I quite like that as well. So, I mean, you've got, you've got quite a few things that are still up in the air. I think... Like you say, we're, we're kind of locked in on it definitely being Bianca against Sasha. I think you can kind of like sort of put that one in the books. I think you've definitely obviously got now Edge versus um, Reigns, which is, is going to be main event in one of the two evenings, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with, with Miz being the current champion, I don't know if Drew goes into WrestleMania just in sort of a blood feud against Lashley. Um, I don't know who Miz would defend against. I don't know if you maybe work a Lashley Miz Drew triple threat at Mania, which I mean, geez, if you had money on that at the start of the year, you you're yeah. obviously you need, yeah. I, need, I need the lottery but, numbers uh, off you. You wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be predicting that, would you? And Not especially with the angle at Rumble, like I was saying earlier, it was just a dead fit that we were getting that gimmick tag match between um, Bad Bunny and Damien Priest and uh, Miz and Morrison. That just made total sense. Exactly. So what do Bad Bunny and Priest now do at Mania? And you've obviously got the question of who does Riddle go into a, a feud with now? Because don't get me wrong, I, I'm all for sort of new 
faces, but well, it's February now to, to sort of build something up for, for Mania that's going to make the US title seem like a worthwhile belt again. It, I mean, do you see anyone coming up from NXT um, for the yeah, US title? I, I do, yeah. I think the um, I think it'll be Keith Lee. I think that'll be like, they'll go, that angle will go down. I think they might do a heel turn on that front, possibly. Okay. Um, or they don't even have to turn anybody heel because they, they've already established themselves as coming up at the same time through NXT and their friends. So I think maybe it could just be a, a, a shake hands at the end uh, to whoever walks away with the title. But I think... Yeah, I hope you're right. That would be cool to see. Um, and then what, yeah, what, who do you see the Miz facing? Do you see him retaining past Fastlane? No, unfortunately, I don't know that because that's another thing. I always see that that, that particular type of pay per view, whether it's Roadblock or Fastlane, or I think one year it was Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> it's a shame that there's never been a second one of those. Oh, um, God, yeah, I've been gagging um, for it. I think it's a nothing pay per view. But saying that, there was a year, possibly 2016. Um, 2017 maybe when we just all assumed that Kevin Owens was going to Mania with a universal title and then he dropped to Goldberg in Fastlane yeah, very true that was that was 2017 and then there was also the year before last I think it was with there wasn't an in-between pay-per-view as such but there was the Super Showdown and Bray Wyatt went in as champion there and, and lost to Goldberg so and lost to Goldberg yeah. so may, maybe Maybe the Miz needs to be worrying about Goldberg for, yeah. this, for this last stop before Mania. I, I honestly I'm don't fairly, know. I'm fairly certain he's got one match left on his contract. So it's certainly sort of opened up a load of possibilities, which I think is always a good thing in wrestling. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit too predictable. And I thought last night for me, uh, I had no idea who was going to win both matches effectively. I didn't quite know how the Reigns match was going to play out and how it did. I didn't think that Sasha or Bianca would come out without an injury, and I didn't expect for Michael Cole to butcher the the big bad Bugs Bunny uh, commentary so much. So it was a show full of surprises. I, I quite enjoyed it overall. I'm not going to get into this whole thing of like rating a show out of five or anything. I think it's a bit arbitrary to do so. But what were your overall thoughts, Quinn, on, on the Elimination Chamber? Do you know what? I really enjoyed it. I think I think it was like we mentioned earlier. I, I don't think it was overbearing of the time. I think it was only two and a half hours. Um, both chamber matches were great. I think everyone put on a great show. I loved the angle with with Reigns and then with Edge. Obviously, not to focus on the negativity. I don't think there was any need for the women's match, but hey, they've got to be in there somewhere, right? Um, but yeah, no, I would. I, I really rated it, and I'm, I'm guessing from from your reaction, you did too. Yeah, definitely. I think the the length of the show was great. You know, if it had gone on for maybe an extra half an hour, I might have struggled a little bit with it. And it does change your opinion, obviously, as a British viewer watching it so late into the night on a Sunday. But for, for me, like everything worked quite well. I, I don't fully like the sort of gimmick pay-per-view matches. I'd, I'd much rather see a chamber match, you know, once a year at, at most or even, even less so. I think with things like Hell in a Cell, TLC you've kind of lost all the mystery and, and surprise around those types of matches by having at least two a year from for probably the last 11 or, or 10 years at least. But that being said, I think by bookending both matches, by having the different sort of situations, so one being for a title, one being for a shot at the title, they, they did that quite well. And yeah, the, aside from the women's tag team title match, which I felt did nothing for anyone, I thought it was a really cool show and, and lots of surprising bits and definitely got